Thanks for tuning in to The Real Deal Show, brought to you by ebodyboarding.com and Tribe Boards. Well, how you doing, everybody? Jay Real back at you with another episode of The Real Deal Show. And you know what? This is one of my best friends from way back in the day, compatriot, compadre, uh, comrade. <laughs> this is Keith Sasaki. What's up, Keith? Not much, Jay. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> of course, thanks, man. Thanks for remaining my friend after <laughs> decades of uh, torture, of torment. torment, and yeah. uh, actually just 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 fun. So we're here today. And, and yeah. Thanks, thanks for having me on this rainy day in San Clemente. Uh, yep. Welcome, rain, to Southern California and oh, California in general. So good. good yeah, stuff. yeah, big time. Now you know I interviewed you. It was about a year and a half ago. We figured. Yeah. Yeah. Um, long time ago, and we just basically scratched the surface. We did two episodes, and we just didn't really get into a lot of the meat of it that I wanted to get to. So here we are, back together, mm -hmm. part three, and uh, we're going to get into some more detail on, you know, we let's let's just recap for part one and two. We talked about your early days in the sport, leading into your pro bodyboarding career. And we kind of finished up with the winter that we both spent in a house on the North Shore, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, which was super fun and <laughs> torturous and everything in between. <laughs> we did a lot of crazy stuff that winter, but it was really fun for me because that was my first winter as a pro bodyboarder, and I, you I know, didn't we, realize that we just got to spend you know the whole winter in that house. Mm -hmm. and, and that was kind of my introduction to the world of pro bodyboarding and winter on the North Shore. So that was sort of the beginning, uh, the early days of the PSAA Tour. And I talked briefly in the previous parts about how your journey on that tour went. So initially when the tour started, you won the tour, right? I did. Um, the tour actually started... I believe the first year was 1986. Okay. And there were six events, um, Santa Cruz, Huntington Beach, Oceanside, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. And um, I had one bad result, and I think that was San Francisco. And for whatever reason, that, that one result, that, those 300-something points were never registered. It was like a no-show on the overall cumulative wow. total. Tally. Somebody screwed up? like. Yeah, Bill Sullivan. Uh <laughs> <laughs> he lives in Japan now, by the way. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> anyway, so the last event at Huntington Beach uh, takes place on the north side, and I can't remember who was in the final. Probably me and Danny, Ben, uh, Mike. It would have been Mike because Mike had never missed a final um, in his career, up, you know. And, yeah. And, and uh, two other people. Yep. Six-man fi six final, probably the best of four waves. Okay. And I win the event. I did my did my math, you know. I had my I had my calculations of what I needed to do. I could not finish second, I believe. I had to win the event. So wow, that's um, pressure, man. It's pressure enough. Um, so um, you know they're they're going down the results. You know, sixth place, fifth place, fourth place, third place. Well, hey, maybe I got a chance. You know, second place, Ben Severson. Oh man. And I, you know. Ben Severson, and I think at the same time they announced, and also the winner of the 1986 Bud Tour, and I'm like, what? You know? Yeah. You, so you pulled you pulled it off. I, I pulled it off. I pulled yeah. it off. I pulled it off, and and uh, but winning the event, Keith Saki, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think, hey, I, 
I think I won the tour. You better you better do your math or something like that. So, uh, you know, it it all worked out in the end. You know, a couple yeah. couple weeks later, a couple weeks later, it was officially made. You know that uh, that I had won the tour. But you know, a little bit of the thunder, a little yeah. bit of, of the glory on, on the beach was, you know, lost. I guess in the right. moment. But hey. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. so that's I mean that's a pretty good notch to have in your belt, being the winner of the first. PSA tour, the first domestic tour yeah. winner. Man, yeah, that's it, pretty it, awesome. It was awesome. You know, it, it uh, I, again, it was uh, at a time where uh, um, the maestros yep. took a chance, really, on, on bodyboarding. And this is Ronnie and Robbie Maestrel who started um, dive and surf up in the South Bay here in Southern California, Body Glove. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they were juggernauts in the surf industry at yeah, that time. And yeah. yeah, they added the bodyboarding division. Yeah. And yeah. Joey Baran kind of was the director of the tour, as I, I recall. I, I, I believe he was. I believe he was. But, you know, the maestros also, and not to pat myself on the back, but um, they, you know, they were always exposed to bodyboarding as well. Yeah. And then I, I think I mentioned this on, on, on the podcast earlier, that, that uh, the year prior, 1985, um, I traveled on the Bud Pro Tour with uh, my good buddy Andy Fomenko, who I'm staying with here in St. Menti, yep. because he was competing to become the 1985 Winter Champion. Oh wow! They, they had like a, they, you know, they had a, um, yeah, like a seasonal tour, like season, a winter seasonal season. tour, yeah, seasonal tour. And I went to two or three events with them. Okay. So you know, I, I was always in contact with with the maestros and all all the surfers on tour. And so, um, yeah, they had some sort of exposure. And, and you know, the, I believe the Maestros bodyboarded back then. Um, I think they sponsored Kurt Rambis. Okay. The uh, basketball, bas pro basketball, basketball player, player. And he bodyboarded. Okay. And I remember him being in Bodyboarding Magazine for yeah, that. Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, there, there is a video out there somewhere where Pat Caldwell and I went and did one of PT's um, shows up in, up in Los Angeles. I can't remember the name of, of the uh, the show, and Kurt Rambis was there, and uh, I didn't know who Kurt was, you know. Uh, but, yeah. but Pat's like, that's Kurt Rambis. <laughs> Looks like, like a big okay. old six foot eight white guy for yeah, me. Right. <laughs> Giant redwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. Classic, yeah, man. Yeah. So, okay, so you won that first year on the tour. I joined in on the second year. I think there was one event at the Wave Pool out in Palm Springs at some point in there. Well, there were a couple. At least two events that I know of, if not three. Um, one of them definitely in Palm Springs. Yep. Uh, that was before I moved to California. Yeah, up in Palm Springs, and I don't. Yeah, so so you weren't in the uh, you weren't in the, the fun van, the fun uh, motorhome when we drove up. It was me, Cameron Steele, Andy Fomenko, Danny Kim, and and Kevin. I was in one where we <laughs> went to Pismo. The next year. Okay, okay. But, but that was, was yeah. but that wasn't a wave pool. No. And then there were there were at least one or two events at, at Raging Waters in Irvine. Of uh, Wild Rivers. Yeah. Wild Rivers. Raging Waters right, in right, San right. Dimas. Yeah, Wild Rivers. I did those events. Okay. So, okay. but there was a sort of a pivot in the judging criteria. So you won that first year, and then things started to go in a different direction in terms of the judging, like towards. Mike and Ben, who seemed to win every event for like three or four years, mm -hmm. prone riding, and you were going out and doing the same thing that won you the tour, and it wasn't winning you the tour anymore. It's like the judges were suddenly thinking, 
let's reward the prone guys. Was there some sort of controversy there? Were those guys complaining to the judges because you and, say, Danny Kim, who was doing stand-up riding on the tour, yeah, were you know, winning? The, the, the panel of judges um, judged both surfing and bodyboarding. Yeah. Um, and they were surfers. They were, surfer they, they were, they were surfers. And so I, I think, um, you know, Danny benefited from that as well. Yeah. You know, they, they saw what Danny was doing on the, you know, on, on his boogie. Yep. And, you know, they, they said, wow, that, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. And, you know, uh, you know, someone else takes off and does a belly twirl. You know, yeah, like, and they're you know, thinking that's well, easy. You know, what you know, what's that? Right. What's, what's that? You know, that's boogie boarding. You know, that's yeah. true. Boogie boarding in, in a in a bad way. Yep. Um, so after the first year, maybe maybe in maybe part, probably midway through the second year. I mean, I, I, there's speculation that that there's conversations between you know the uh, the upper the upper. Uh, Echelon of uh, you know the prone riders, ha you know, had a conversation with with, yeah. with the judging panels. You know, who who really knows? Right. Who really knows? But you know, I had um, already won a title. Yes, I would have loved to have won a second or, or a third one. Yeah. Never happened. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, I stuck to my guns, and I would I think probably I continued continued competing, and um, I refused to prone ride. I always, right. I always drop meat in my heats, no matter if it was a small mushy left, which uh, I can't prone ride anyways. I don't know how to prone ride to save my <laughs> you life. You can. I've seen you do it. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, re I refused. I refused to... Um, to you refused to, to cave in to the pressure. Yeah, yeah, I refused to conform. Yeah. You know, yeah. I never really want to be a conformist of it. <laughs> which got me in trouble many, many times <laughs> as, as, as well. Hey, do, do this now. Yeah, you always stuck to your guns. I always stuck to my guns. Yeah, yeah, um, but yes, and, and I had I had a pretty good agreement with uh, with uh, with Maury, with O'Neill, um, both wetsuits and sportswear, and whoever else backed me that that listen, contest results are are important, but they're they're not the um, primary focus for me at least. Yeah, you know, at, and at that point, that's when the magazines. Um, you know, we concentrated a lot on the magazine. You know, working on photo shoots with Aaron Lloyd, who um, who uh, you just did a podcast with. Yeah, uh, Brian Pilmix, Hank. And, and by the way, I'll put the link to the Aaron Lloyd show right at the top of your screen, folks. Yeah. So check that out. So um, the, the concentration on, on my agreements with those uh, those companies had somewhat switched to you know instead of uh, contest results into. Um, Exposure, yeah, complete marketing exposure in magazines, doing promotional work, etc. And I said, hey, great, you know, no, you know, not a hundred percent pressure to to win an event. Um, although I was still competing, in, you know, w winning some of the smaller events, the Lamori events, and, and uh, uh, you know, whatever other events that that uh, organizers would have. Um, but yeah, it, it it yeah, it was it was a weird time. It was a weird time. Yeah. It, it was frustrating, definitely frustrating. You know. Um, Going going from getting you know first second third fourth you know be fifth and sixth or whatever it is and you know being on the podium to missing out in the semifinals and then uh, and then you know later on missing out in, in the quarterfinals yeah know? so it was, it was a weird time it was a weird time but hey well the, you know it's interesting you mentioned that it was a weird time because you know in the early days of bodyboarding competition everything was mixed together prone drop knee you did mm -hmm. it all right and a lot of riders were very versatile back then you were 
sort of encouraged to, to be good at both. Right. Prone and drop knee. That's mm -hmm. how I started, and that was kind of the mentality I had. Um, but, you know, at, at some point, the when the judging started going sort of on the bud tour, the PSAA tour, towards the prone guys, mm -hmm. I mean, I remember just seeing you at, at lowers when we had the event there, just killing it, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, oh, my God, Keith killed it in that heat, and you still would get knocked out of the heat. Yeah. And that was, a to me, a pivotal moment in the sport because it, it showed that there was now a dividing line between prone and drop knee. It was sort of like, you know, longboarding and shortboarding. They separated it into two different divisions when shortboards came into the fray in the 60s. You couldn't have these guys surf together because the style of surfing was so different. Mm -hmm. And you would still have a few guys like, I think, Dave Parmenter famous, famously went out in the U.S. Open on a longboard long because yeah. it was so tiny. Just to, just to make a statement, you know, that this is the right board for these waves. Mm -hmm. This is ridiculous that all these guys are trying to ride little toothpicks mm -hmm. in one foot surf. So you were sort of that guy in bodyboarding trying to still make that statement. But nonetheless, the sport eventually did sort of fracture off into a prone and drop knee division. I mean, how does that grab you? What do you think about that? Do you think that was a good move or a bad thing that now there's separate drop knee and prone divisions? Well. First of all, I really like that statement uh, of Parmenter going out on a longboard. It's just, it's, it, you know, he 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 uh, he voiced his discontent. Yeah. Uh, so so Parm, you know, Parmenter, thumbs up to uh, his younger brother John. <laughs> <laughs> bam, bam. I love John. I love John. <laughs> but you know, I I really don't think uh, the PSA had a choice at that point. They, they were, um, although we were probably racking in um, uh, 45, 48. 64 competitors yep. um, per event, which is qu which is quite a lot of people. Yep. You know, six, uh, 64 competitors per event. I still think that they had no choice. You know, they could not fracture away and say we're going to have a drop knee drop knee division with uh, a jack stance division with with 12 people and then a, a, a open prone division with with 48 people. Just not enough hours. There's the just day not enough. It, it, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it came down to really it was a business. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it is what it is. It is, you know, um, and uh, yeah, hey, unfortunate. Um, Jordan Styler did, did a video several years ago, uh, two waves of me at Trestles. And um, I looked at it and I, I, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but yeah, they were, they were very well written waves. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, getting like 3.5s on, on, on what today would be on the judging scale, you know, 8.59. Nine threes, yeah. And, you know, getting like three point seven, it's like okay, right, whatever. Yeah, so whatever. At, at that point, I guess you kind of conceded, like, okay, man, I guess this is how it's going to be from now on. Yeah, but you know, I I believe those waves. I think that happened already when I was uh, in a different part of my life. Anyways, I was, I think that that was probably the early nineties, and I had already moved on. Yeah, I moved on from from competitive bodyboarding, um, one hundred percent. I was living in France, and um, um, I was, yeah, I was living in France, and still on the on the promotional train. And um, you know, whenever I could, yeah, I, I, I do some events. Yeah, so you you slid on into, you know, or out of focus on competition, as as you mentioned earlier, focusing on photo trips and. Mm -hmm. 
promoting your sponsors. You were the really the pioneer of that whole thing of the free surfing bodyboarder. Um, at least to me, you know, you were the first guy to do it. You were sort of the guy who showed us all the roadmap of how to promote our sponsors in photos and videos. One of the little things, this is one that mm -hmm. I learned from you, is to write the logos of our sponsors mm -hmm. on the blade of our fin. Yeah. Because when you go up and hit the lip drop knee, there's your fin facing the camera. Yeah. Get all the logos, yeah. and I made a lot of money because of that. 100%. Just one tip. Any other little hacks that you used to do? I mean, I, I know some that you taught me, but. Well, the, uh, the, other, <laughs> the other one was, you know, we would analyze our photos, uh, yeah. whether they be already print, you know, f photos that uh, were printed in the magazine or ones that, that Bielman or Lloyd or, or Hank or Rob Brown would show us, um, you know, doing a big old turn. But, you know, you can, you can, you can see our, our, our board perfectly. We can, you can see our, our, uh, our wetsuits perfectly, but we can't see any logos. Right. So at that point, you know, we were sponsored by O'Neill back then, and, um, you know, they were really open to helping us out. So, you know, we, we go to the promotions manager and say, listen, look at this photo, or, or you know, I, I analyze photos, and would it be possible to have a logo here and a logo down the back here. Yeah, because bodyboarding, yeah. it's different, yeah, right? right? Where your body shows up in the photo. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, if there was any questions, it's, it's because, uh, hey, you know, uh, cl clear as day, our agreement is you know, if I get a cover shot and you, you can see the O'Neill logo, you know, I write you an invoice and you pay me. Yes. And uh, it, it's a win-win, so, you know, iron, you know, iron on, iron on a, a, a 20 cent sticker, and uh, we both win. Yeah. So that that was definitely one of the tricks. Yeah. That was one of the tricks. You know, the other one, which I don't wear hats because you know, I've got a bald head and, and I just look weird wearing a hat. But you know, I would always make sure that uh, as much as possible. And and you see it these days in every every kind of sport that people would have a hat with you know with with their sponsors logos on it. Yeah. Etc. Et but yeah. Um. So uh, here's other things that I learned from you. <laughs> Some great ones, man. So yeah, well, okay, I'll go there. That was one of them. So at, at the awards, two of the events, you know, we would get up on stage, and you'd want to show off your sponsors. But back then, we weren't allowed to bring our boards on stage. Mm -hmm. um, so you would, Keith taught us to put stickers on our T-shirts. So I'd have like five stickers on my T-shirt yeah. with all my sponsors' logos on the in the shirt, and it worked. Because yeah. sometimes yeah. they run a an awards ceremony shot in the magazine, yep. and there's your logo, and you submit an invoice for photo yeah. incentive. Yeah. Um, and the other one was stencils on the board. 100%. Yeah, you yeah. taught me how to put logos on the deck of the board. Because it's foam, you can't put a sticker on there. So you, you showed me this method of taking like a manila folder and an X-Acto knife, and you put a sticker on the folder, and you cut out the logo and then you'd lay it over the board and use a permanent marker uh -huh. to color it in. And yep. that worked great too, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's like a race car. You yeah. Know, race cars, uh, it's easy enough to put a decal on there and, you know, the, uh, the, the material allows it to adhere perfectly yep. well. You know, on a, on a bodyboard, a boogie board, uh, the surface is, is fairly porous. Yeah. So after a wave or two, the sticker would come up, so come right off. So we had to figure out and devise a way for our our uh, sponsors to to remain, and that was a, that was a logical choice. Yeah, you know, because uh, heat stamps, those metal heat stamps, are really expensive. Yeah, They're they like were a hundred bucks per stamp, and you got to buy the mylar and all yeah. this. So yeah. 
stencil quick easy way quick easy it. cheap i mean you know all it, all it would take is an investment in your in your time today today's a perfect perfect example it's raining you know you, you grab your bubble gum sticker you, you trace it on on, on on the manila folder you cut it out with with a with a razor blade and, and there you go yeah you know you have a money making machine you know and and again you know we, we weren't making a whole lot of money yeah i mean it, it, you know we were making decent yeah. decent amounts but then again the trouble to have six stickers on your T-shirt, and if it if it appeared on a full page in the magazine, I mean, you you add it up. It, oh, could, yeah. it could be twenty five dollars from from one sponsor. It could be uh, two seventy five from another. Yeah. And all you need is three of those three of those shots in a, in a magazine, and, and the next thing you know, you have a fifteen hundred dollar check. I would always relate it to yeah. bills, like you know, oh, this is my phone bill. Uh, yeah. This is a photo in the mag. I'll pay my phone bill this month with yeah. that, or my car payment, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's that was. I mean, these are all hacks that we learned from, that I learned from Keith. I don't know if you learned them from someone else, but. You were the first guy that I ever saw do that stuff. Again, it, it was just, uh, I don't think I learned it from anybody. It's just something that, I, again. Um, Born out of necessity. J just just seeing, seeing the logos and, hey, got an opportunity here. Yeah. You know, this, this window is not going to last till I'm 59 years old, which I am today. Yeah. You know, that, that window is not going to last that long. You know, we have a window of, of three to seven years. Yeah. Or, what, you know, whatever it was. But, um yeah, but you know, you you do give me a lot of credit. Thank you very much. But you know, there were other guys out there that were that were great at promoting the, their their sponsors, and and they they probably did take a page out of my book. Like Ron Zybel, he's a, he's he's another example. He was he you know he, he competed, he competed, and um, and he had some decent results. But then again, he, you know, he broke away and, and did these long Puerto Escondido trips. Yeah. You know, got a lot of photos, um, uh, free road the wedge, et cetera, yep. stuff like that. So there are guys like out there that 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 made you know made a decent living. Yeah, that as, went as that well. route. That went went that route. And exactly. we had you know we had I don't want to say venues, but uh, we had media back then. We had magazines and videos and all that ways to promote the sponsors that mm -hmm. now has moved all onto social media. Um, but we'll touch on that in a minute. I wanted to go back to something you mentioned. So you were transitioning out of competing in the early 90s and you moved to France. Talk about that part of your life. Like, you know, you were spending time in France, obviously as a pro bodyboarder during the early 90s, right. you know, promoting Maury and O'Neill and whatever. Yeah. And we were all over there competing in the Hoff Pro and all that. But mm -hmm. you ended up deciding to stay over there. What, what was going on with your life at that point? Okay, so... Um 1989, um, Mich Michel Off, who uh, is a distributor to Maury back then, came over to the North Shore and he had this idea of, hey, um, Jay, Keith, Mike, etc., why don't you come to Europe uh, this this winter, uh, and uh, you know we'll go to the Canary Islands, go to Portugal, to, go to go to Spain, and and you know finish a tour up in France, promoting you know promoting the brands. And uh, you know, you and Mike were were um, you especially starting to shoot up in the rankings, and Mike was dominating the rankings. Yeah. And you want to sustain those those you know those positions. Yeah. While uh, me, on the other hand, you know, my 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 results were tanking, and again, I just needed to rethink of you know what I wanted reinvent to reinvent yourself, reinvent, and and my my involvement in uh, in in uh, in uh, in the sport. Yep. 
And so thought about it, and so now we're not, you know, 89, then all of a sudden it's, it's 1990, and here it is, it's, it's March, and, and uh, I receive a, an invitation from Michelle. <clears throat> and why don't you come over, you know, why don't you come over? Why don't you come over um, July and August? And I said, well, July and August, there's... It's <laughs> all these contests. <laughs> Sorry, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> July and August. July and August, there, there's three events, and I'm training really hard, and I'm going to win those events. If I win these events, um, that's forty-five hundred dollars, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, plus, yeah. plus, plus incentive for my, for my, uh, for, for my sponsors for winning that. So um, yeah, I'd love to come over, but I'm going to lose out on ten thousand dollars. Yeah. So what can you do? So, but you know, we, we worked out something, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, yeah, Canary Islands, Spain, Portugal. Well, actually, it, it, it was uh, Portugal first, and then uh, Canary Islands, Spain, and it ended up in France, you know, promoting the brand, and the brand was Mori back then. Yep. And uh, just had a great old time. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's always different when when you're there in in summer as as a tourist, um, touring where where um, you know you're, you're catered to. Every, yeah. You know, and, uh, not, not to be spoiled, not not to feel entitled, but that's what it was like. You know, you, yeah. you, you get you you get over there, and you know your your hotel room's taken care of. Um, you know, you go you go downstairs, and, and your meal's waiting for you, etc. Yeah. You know, you, you uh, your ride is is already organized to the beach. So, um, but 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 anyways, I really like the waves in Europe. Yeah, it uh, it catered to what uh, what I was searching for. Yep. Catered to what I was searching for, and then also, you know, um, I had always admired, you know, surfers like Sean Thompson, and then I, I admired Tom Curran as well. And Tom was already living in France, mm -hmm. also. Yeah. And um, and the area that I was spending time in in France was the same area. Yeah. Where where Tom was spending time at, so it you know just that little little thing like that. Uh, um, you know, when I when I visited France, it said it just felt comfortable. To I you. felt I felt comfortable. It felt like this felt could be home. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I, I, I I I met someone that uh, that uh, that um, that uh, also you know helped cement my my decision to 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 go back and, and stay. Yeah. So yeah, um, and I had a great time. I had a great time yeah. in, in Europe. Uh, continued continued promoting the brands. Um, for a couple of years, and then, uh, then, then, then the brands had a, had a shift in mentality, in, in that, yeah, you know, um, it's great that you're getting all this exposure, but the, it's not part of our agreement. So what? You being in in be, France be instead in, be of in, the United States. Yeah, it, exactly. So yeah. you know, we're, we're going to sever ties. Okay, whatever, whatever. You know, there, there you know, there, there's other opportunities out there. So again, I had to reinvent. You know, went from from one brand to another brand yeah. um, of board, and one brand of, of, of wetsuit and clothing to another one. Um, you know. Yep. You were then with Wave Rebel and what wetsuit brand um, were you wearing? Sola. Right? I was using I was using Sola. Yeah. You know, I was using Sola because Sola, um, they distributed Wave Rebel boards. Yep. So, and uh, you know, um, an English British company. And um, they made some really good suits. Yep. They made some really good suits. And As they should. They're based in the UK where the water's freezing. You expect yeah. them to make a good suit. But, you know, again, the feedback, the feedback was, was uh, that, hey, 
I, again, let's have the logo there. Let's um, let's change the stitching because you know, surf, you know, surfers surfers aren't doing this. Bodyboarding is you know doing this, and, and so the flex of the suit. Yeah. And so they you know they were real receptive to to creating some suits. Oh, that's good. You know, they even created created one where <laughs> it looked like a a spring suit with, you know without the sleeves. Yep. But with with a collar, and that that was basically to keep out keep sand out yeah from, from short you know when you I always hated uh, short johns for that reason yeah because when yeah. you duck dive that low scoop neck always the water just yeah. goes right in there yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you know it, it it also had a great look you know it made, made me look even more like a model you know, so. <laughs> uh, hold that thought Keith. here's what I'm gonna do uh, we're gonna wrap this episode and then we're gonna start and record the next episode I like to keep these around 30 minutes, and we still have a lot to get to. So, folks, for this week, that is the end of this episode of The Real Deal Show. Thanks for tuning in on YouTube. Give us the thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel if you listened on the audio podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Tune in next week. We're going to continue this conversation, and I will see you in the surf. Thanks, guys. Woo!